This is the Hospice Podcast, and so this is St John's Hospice in Lancashire. I'm Sophie, and today we're talking through the subject of advanced care planning. With me is Dr Phil Swarbrick, a familiar and much respected colleague at St John's Hospice. Phil, welcome to the Hospice Podcast. Hello, and thank you for having me. Phil, tell us a little about your work at St John's. Well, I'm one of the senior specialty doctors here. Uh, I've been here for five years and uh, my role is to help with the team, support patients and their families, mainly on the ward, but I also do go out into the community and visit people at home. And as part of this work, you carry out advanced care planning. Advanced care planning has become part and parcel of what we do in palliative care. Um, it, it has only been um, fully recognised since um, the Mental Capacity Act was written in 2005. Okay. Um, before that, we had living wills and people called things advanced directives and America was working up what they were calling advanced planning. But uh, it's only been since then that we've really developed the idea of what advanced care planning is. But now it is so important in our work, basically means looking forward to what might happen in the future for somebody and helping them to express their wishes about that. So that's really helpful because I was going to say, describe it in one minute and you've absolutely done that. You've absolutely done that. I can see you want to add to that. A, a little bit. Um, so it's, um, it's an opportunity for patients to tell us and their families what's most important to them, what are their values. And in, in America, it's often called a value statement or right. a statement of values. Um, and it also helps people to express what they're hoping their care will look like. And it's an opportunity also to think about the goals that they have. So what they would like to achieve in the time that they've got left. Um, the bucket list has become a really um, a sort of part and parcel of our, our language these yes, days. Yes, it has, hasn't it? And here at the hospice, as you well know, Sophie, you've helped us in so many uh, achievements for people, getting married, uh, having parties, um, being in a certain place with certain people. We've achieved so many things for people. And that can fall out of conversations about advanced care planning. So when I listen to you describe it like that, it feels like there are some distinct benefits to Huge. having advanced care planning. I'm very passionate about advanced care planning. Um, a lot of people feel it must be a very negative thing, but actually for me, the most important thing is how positive it can be. So when we do think about benefits, um, it's an opportunity to allow people to talk. Now, not everybody wants to talk, but okay. if the opportunity becomes right for them, and it's an opportunity to talk about whatever you want to talk about. So if you want to plan something on your bucket list, that's advanced care planning. Right. Um, if, you, um, if you are worried about something and you want to vent your worries and fears, that can feel more negative. But actually, once you've done it, it's such a loss of that burden. Okay. Not just for you, but for the people around you who are worrying about it as well. And so many people tell us after we've had very open conversations, I feel so much more relieved now. And they've so got things off their chest. Got things off to their chest, but they've also learned a lot. They may have learned about the patient that they thought they knew. Yeah. They've learned about the systems that can help them more. They've learned more about the disease process and what might happen so they can plan better for that. Right. Um, so it, it can feel very supportive 
And you're much more likely, we know from research, you're much more likely to achieve what you want to achieve if you've expressed it to if people. If you let people know. Because exactly. if, I, you know, if people close to you don't know, then they can't help you achieve what you want. Exactly, they? exactly. So it can be so positive and um, it, it also prevents those those awful times when things come to a crisis, come to a head, because we didn't plan for that eventuality. And it's much more likely that those awful events won't happen because we've had them out in the open, we've unpicked them together, and we're all planning and knowing what's ahead. So if this sounds like obviously there's a lot of positives to this, and you know, the way you describe it, that there are. So to put you on the spot, if there's so many benefits, why do some people feel it's quite a controversial topic? Yeah, so even though it can be so positive, just getting started with it and the way you look at it can feel incredibly difficult. Right. And I have huge sympathy, you know, because I haven't had to face that myself. But I like, try and put myself into the shoes of people who've been told you have a limited life expectancy. And it's frightening, it's emotional, um, it, it, it opens up cans of worms with families because there's lots of other interactions that have been going on, okay. memories. So when you start to talk with people, you unleash all of these issues that you might have. Not every family, not every person, but people are afraid of strong emotion. Yeah. So they, they're worried about crying in public, perhaps. They're worried about um, what a healthcare professional might think of them. Um, they're Do worried... people worry about causing offence as well? Uh, I think certainly healthcare professionals talking to people that they may not know very well are very worried to start those conversations thinking, I may put my foot in it or I may yeah. say something that upsets them too much and then they won't want to see me again. Um, in my experience, as long as you are being gentle and you are asking questions, that doesn't happen very much. So the most important thing about advanced care planning is it, it's voluntary. Okay. And so, yeah. so you're very it, clear on that. It's voluntary. You don't have yeah. to partake in that. Um, it, it should be at the patient's pace and time. Now there are occasions when a doctor feels they really do need a portion of advanced care planning to be done more quickly. But on the whole, if you start early, you can create time for that person to develop what they want to say. So it might not just be one conversation, it might be a series of conversations. Absolutely. So, Got it. so, so it's a conversation and it's, it can be multiple and it can change and flux and flow. It can become, come back to it. You can tear up what you might have said before and say I don't believe that anymore I've moved on in my thinking so it's not set in stone you can say I've changed my mind since I last saw you and we talked about this I thought about it and, and actually I want something different to happen that's that's part of it I think. absolutely yeah. and, and I think people do worry that they've said something and now it's got to happen um, and, and they also worry that if they talk about it um, that it will happen and I call that magical thinking Okay, so, tell us more. Yeah, so um, people feel, you know, a lot of people don't make a will. 
And when you ask them why not, it, well, if I think about those things, I make a will, something will happen to me and I will die. Yeah. I will have made it happen by thinking yeah. about it. And um, I think that's one of the major barriers to, to people themselves, not so much healthcare professionals, worrying that they're going to make that happen. This idea that we're talking about death, it's morbid, we shouldn't be doing it. It's not, it's not in our normal lives it's anymore. An in, it's, sorry to interrupt you, but it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because if I think, and obviously I haven't had any amount of time like you've had with people, but quite often when I spent time with patients, they've said, I want to talk about it, but my family don't. Yeah. Or I've tried to talk about it and they say, oh, stop being so morbid. You're, you're right. And yes. they really do want to talk about it. They want someone to open up yes. that conversation. So I, I, I think this is where it's actually harder for families than it is for doctors and nurses. Right. Because doctors and nurses always have some objectivity in this process. It's not usually a person that you have known a long time and, and love deeply. You may care about them and you may get upset when you talk to them, but the objectivity is still there. Whereas when you're a family member or somebody close, a, a friend, you are, are always, have always got that slant of that relationship, those memories that you have with that person. So you want the best for them. You want them to think like you do. You want them to live forever. Of, of course. course you do. And it's very hard sometimes to just stop and listen to the person themselves. And, and that is the most important thing, to listen. So in terms of when you say this, obviously there's health professionals and there's family, you're steeped in this. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, in terms of advanced care planning, do you actually need to have any clinical training or training to actually do this? Or can anyone do it? Well, um, it's yes and no. So okay. <laughs> anybody, anybody can do this. Anybody can help support somebody in this. Um, there are ways to find uh, some help to do that, which I can mention later. Great. Um, but it, healthcare professionals uh, do worry about this. We, we, we tend to be steeped in a medical method where we are trying to get through a certain agenda. That, that, that unfortunately, because of time constraints and because we want to reach diagnoses and help people, we are on this route to get to somewhere. And the best way to do advanced care planning is to create some time and to go in there with no agenda of your own and to use your communication skills that you've learnt, which, which can be learnt, and to, give, uh, to ask questions and to listen to the responses. But anybody can do that. So I, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, okay... You've told me I can do it. I'm not a clinical person, but I can do it. But and I don't need any training. What's involved? Give give, give me a starter, Phil. Yeah. Well, so um, advanced care planning can be anything about that future. So as a as a, a relative, you might simply want to talk about um, and who's going to look after the dog when you're not well enough. Yeah. Okay. Um, would you like me to help you sort out any of your effects? You know, some people want to get everything cleared out. Yeah. They want help with their money. Uh, they want to talk to a long estranged member of the family. They want yes. to be helped, to be put in touch with people. 
that's all advanced care planning. That is about sorting out your near and further future to make to give you peace of mind. That's really interesting because I think when 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 we when I looked at this topic, I think advanced care planning. The first thing I thought about was is paperwork. Mm. It's paperwork. It's time consuming. You probably need lawyers involved. <laughs> and I'm listening to you, and I'm really shifting. Good. What I thought, what I thought this 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 was about is, it's only time consuming, isn't it? From what you're saying, in a good way, in terms of having time to listen, explore, go back to conversations again. So, terms that that I hear and people must ask you about, and dare I say, things that that we see on the internet and perhaps misunderstand. What is an advanced care plan? Okay, so uh, to answer your question, I, th you are quite right that there is lots of documentation that can happen. But the first thing to say is you don't have to go down most of those paths. Okay. Uh, the, we can mention do not attempt resuscitation, CPR, um, as, as, a, as a possibly one thing that we do need to accomplish in many cases. Mm -hmm. But all the rest of it and all of the documents and all of the conversations are basically the plan. So right. I tend not to think of a plan, but I think of planning because it's a process. And as you've said, well, quite rightly, it comes and goes, it, it, it changes and it new conversations. So it's the process and the planning that are important. The actual anything that gets written down at the end is of less importance because it can be changed. If you're alert and don't lose your capacity at any point, anything that you say overrides anything else anyway. So okay. these things are made, uh, we like to put some things in writing so that if by any chance you lost your ability to talk to us, mm -hmm. you were delirious for whatever reason, we and people around you know what it was that you wanted to happen. That's the main thing. So a plan with a few things written down about what you wanted is, is helpful for us to give you what you wanted. So could this be anything from, actually, this is what I want to happen at my funeral? Yes. Through to, um, as you said, do not resuscitate. Yeah. Through to, this is who I want. You, you mentioned the dog before and, yeah. and I'm smiling because I, I do know, and we both know, don't we, from speaking to colleagues for a lot of people, what happens with their pets is really important. So it's about having the conversation and recording it, isn't it? And then, dare I say it, where does this record go? Hopefully not behind the microwave, never to be seen again. Well, that used to happen in the past and yeah. no one could find <laughs> these advanced care plans or anything that was right. written, so they're, they're fairly useless. But but actually, having just done the talking and the discussing, uh, discussing and the sharing to get to that, it is the most important thing because it, at least if you've discussed it with people, they will then have a memory of that. Sure. So if you were incapacitated, um, it's, a, it's a medical nursing um, obligation to talk to everybody who talked to you before you lost your capacity to find out what your wishes were. And that's an advanced care plan. It doesn't have to be written down. So I'm thinking from listening to you, I have a conversation with someone, what I need them to do is go and tell other people so that it's not just in the mind without being rude of one person. 
And I know that's something that we've been talking about on a regional level recently in terms of the tell three people. Yes. Because if it's all in one person's head, that's great, but it'd be better, wouldn't it, if it, it was in... It would. And for those who want to make it that bit more official, yeah. there are all of these documents that you can use. But what I would say, the most powerful one to me is what I call the preferred priorities of care. Okay. So Talk this is it. literally a statement of wishes and values and what you want to happen. This is no, has no legal binding, but all doctors and nurses will ask if you've written anything down and read it. That's what they should be doing. Okay. Um, and that's very positive because it tells people what you want. And for me, that is the starting point. And you can write that in a diary. You could write it on a sheet of paper. You could get a formal document from your, your healthcare professionals and, and use that as a starter. Yeah. Um, you could tape it. You could video it. Um, you could write letters to people. It's what you what's good for you. Some people are writers, some are speakers. Sure. Some don't. Some want to dictate it to someone else, or have the GP call round or the district nurse and say, "Will you take that back? Write all that in your computer. Take it back to your surgery so that people know what I want." That's the first part of your plan. Okay. So. Again, listening, again, thinking, I know I'm being difficult here, so I do apologise. What do you do for, for, for somebody who's listening? This is one of those, I'm asking for a friend, but also asking for, for myself kind of thing. Mm -hmm. How do I start that conversation with someone? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, you, I, I think if you're close to somebody, then um, you could throw in little hints that you are available to talk. Um, that you might you're available to talk about things that are deeper, you know, that we're not just talking about dinner or planning a holiday that may or may not ever happen. Sure. But use opportunities when you see that person maybe ready, maybe they're upset about something. Can you sit down quietly and say what what's actually upsetting you? I'm happy to talk about it, even if it upsets me. We can cry together. Um, do you want to chat to me? How can I help you? Yeah. You know, I can sit here and not judge you. And, you know, if I'm upset, I'll try not to be too upset. But I want to help you. And I think that a lot of people will simply respond to that. Just knowing. Because a lot of patients say, you know, um, I don't want to upset my relatives. I don't, yeah. I don't want them to have the burden of me talking about it. And for some families, that's fine. It doesn't need to go any further. But for others... Um, look for opportunities, look for windows of, of moments. Sometimes um, people like to talk when they're doing something else, so if they're pottering in the garden or yeah. doing the washing up. Or Rather than face-to-face. Face-to-face, uh, sure. sit down, dinner, invite everybody and have this awful congress. Now, for some people, that would be great. Yeah. Let's have all the family around and let's have a drink and let's talk about it all. So it's very, the, the, another very important thing about advanced care planning, it's totally individual. It's what you want out of it. And, and you, how you you're going to tell it. me, aren't you? You know that person, so you know whether it's when they're pottering in the garden, or whether it's a family yeah. congress, or or yeah. something completely different. Exactly, exactly. So, if we don't have the conversation about advanced care planning, I know I'm pushing this. We're going to apologise. If we don't have the conversation about advanced care planning because it feels too difficult, or you don't want to cause offence, is that a problem? Because you know we said at the beginning, didn't we? It's voluntary. Yeah. 
So I'd like to go right back to the beginning of when I got interested in this. And this little anecdote might help people to understand why I, I feel so strongly about it. So when I was a GP, um, relatively younger than I am now, quite a long time <laughs> ago, before the Mental Capacity Act, long before, late 90s, I think, looking after a lady who was severely disabled by a disease, who, who, who herself said she had very poor quality of life, um, but was seemed to me when I visited her to be quite cheerful. Um, this lady, unfortunately, was prone to get severe infection and she got an infection one day and I'd, been, I'd visited her a couple of times and I said to her husband, should we send her into the hospital to get this treated because she was delirious and couldn't talk to us and he said, I don't know. Okay. And so we sent her in and she got better and she came home and when she spoke to me, she said, I'll never forgive you. You should have let me go. I have no quality of life. And her husband was distraught too because oh. he felt guilty that he'd yeah. allowed that to happen. So that's what happens when we don't talk. And at that point, I said, what is there? What can we do? And I, uh, although there was no formal uh, advanced care planning then, um, we, we talked to a psychiatrist just to make sure there was nothing we could do for her mood. And then right. we got a solicitor in and they wrote what was essentially a living will at that time. And when she got her next infection, which was some time later, she stayed at home and died. So it because was, he knew that's what that's she wanted. Exactly, exactly. We not none of us. Um, we can't demand treatment, but we can refuse treatment. We don't have to go into hospital. We don't have to have drugs. We don't have to have anything done to us, including advanced care planning. We don't have to have anything done to us that we don't wish. If we're in sound mind and we make that statement, it's binding. That's what advanced care planning is. It's about putting into a more binding uh, statement or document something that you don't wish to happen, basically. I, I think as well, one of the things that we've not covered that, that I always think for advanced care planning, my understanding of it is, Actually, it's really helpful for your family and your friends. And I say that from personal experience in terms of when somebody that I was close to died. When I carried out the funeral arrangements and other things, I was, I was okay doing it because I knew I was doing exactly what she wanted because she'd already told me what she wanted. And when other people were saying, I don't know why you're doing that, Sophie, I was, well, I'm doing it because we had the conversation and this is what she wanted. Perfect. And I felt so much stronger. And you will, have, you know, I'm telling you this, sharing this with you today, but you will have heard that a hundred times before from other people, won't you? It is helpful. It's so supportive to the people around you. Um, if you can break down that first barrier of getting to, to do the talk and get over it, it's a bit like um, going to bed and writing down all your worries and all the things you need to do tomorrow. Right. And if you write them down, you can go to sleep. You know you've done it, you know you've sorted it. And so you can be, you can have more peace of mind. And um, doing a will is the same and doing an advanced care planning session sharing all that stuff it's like that it's like cleaning out the cupboard and saying I've done that you know what I want now we can get on with the business of living okay and having fun for a while yes yeah. I've sorted a lot of those yeah. things out is there anything else Phil that I mean you're the expert in this and I know it's a huge subject so I'm asking you a huge question 
as we come to a close, is there anything that I haven't asked you or given you time that you think, I really want to say that, it's really important that I say that? Well, we haven't covered all the other documentations. And for me, that preferred priorities of care, writing your vows is the most important thing, but there okay. are a host of other things that can be done. Um, and uh, there is quite complex to go into them all, but you can basically write a statement which refuses certain treatment. And that's a legal document, and you perhaps need a little bit of help with that, but you don't need a solicitor. Okay. Perhaps your nurse or doctor will help you. You can get a lasting power of attorney for your health as well as your wealth, and um, that is a legal system, and that does cost a little bit of money. I think at the moment it's about £82. And is that and with a solicitor? Or? You don't have to have a solicitor to do it with you. You need witnesses, and it's quite strict how it's written and who is there witnessing your statements, that you don't have to have a solicitor. Uh, it can just all be done with your family, um, but it has to be done correctly. It can be done online, or it can be done on paper, um, and if it's not right and has to be sent back, it does cost a bit more money to redo it. Sure. So, so it's, it's complex, but you don't have to have one. If you have already spoken to everybody and perhaps written some things down or recorded some things, yeah. then actually a lasting power of attorney you may feel isn't necessary. Depends. It depends. Some, in some situations, it's very helpful. And we haven't mentioned that do not attempt cardiopulmonary resuscitation form that is probably the most controversial thing okay. for people um, and I, I have um, I, I have looked into this question with many many people and helped people understand what what CPR is and perhaps that's a, a talk for another so I'm really glad you've said that because it's obviously, as we said, a really big subject and yeah. I think it, you know, it would be great if you would, would, would come back to us another day and talk us through this documentation. I think today's been brilliant because now I think, you know, I hope all our listeners have got better understanding of advanced care plan and planning another session to actually talk about the documentation because you explain things so beautifully it would be absolutely great. I'd be more than happy to do that. And in the meantime, if anybody is interested and, and now feels that they could do this, um, you can always get help from your, um, your nurse. If you're attached to the hospice, you will have a specialist nurse. You can ring the hospice and our teams will help you. You've got your primary care teams that you can turn to. If you did want to do um, something legal, there are sites you can Google. Uh, the government site has everything about lasting power of attorney. Okay, for so it's the government site because I can imagine there'd be quite a few things out there, but the government site's the, the one to That's go where to. you get your forms. Right. That's where it explains what you need to do in detail. Yeah. But there is a site, um, if anybody has a computer and wants to go on it, that I, I've always enjoyed reading and has lovely material similar to what I've been talking about today, but more examples and that's compassionindying.org.uk they have a lovely site um, and, and a lot of material on it that I've always found very gentle very useful and is it uh, is it very understandable for yeah, people very, who don't have any clinical training absolutely written yeah. mainly for just lay people but healthcare professionals can get a lot out Use of this it as well too. yeah that sounds great mm. okay Phil, thank you so much for joining us. We'll look forward to you coming back to talk to us about this and other topics in the future. Thank you to you for listening to the Hospice Podcast. 
Do feel free to revisit this podcast as many times as you'd like to. Share it with your friends and work colleagues who may find it helpful. And we'll be back soon with another podcast about palliative care. Thank you. If you feel this has been helpful to you and will be useful for someone else, please do share it. We'll be with you again soon, talking through a different palliative care subject. To make sure you don't miss the next one, simply choose the subscribe option. Thank you for listening today.